This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to I Know That Face, the only podcast which honours the often underappreciated by the masses work of character actors. My name is Stephen Portia. My name is Andrew Carroll. Today we are discussing Aussie actor and frequently the Hollywood villain, mm. Ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendel- the Mendo. Ben- El-, El Mendoza. <laughs> So you prepared some stuff on the background to Ben I Mendelsohn? Did, I did indeed, yeah. Can you give us his history? His bio. So he was born in April 1969 in Melbourne. He lived in various European countries and in the US during his childhood. And he returned to Melbourne when, as a teenager. He took drama classes because he thought it'd be easy. Mm. And uh, who knows? It was. It was, yeah. yeah. Maybe it was. Because uh, he, um, he doesn't seem to, I don't know, have that same struggle that a lot of actors seem to talk about. He, he seemed like he had it for a while yeah, because yeah. I was reading that him, I think it was Noah Taylor, Russell Crowe, Guy Pearce were all part of this Australian new wave of actors. Yeah, yeah. And they were nicknamed, I think it was, the, the Mouse Pack, okay. kind of their version of the Rat Pack. Mm. Well, was Russell Crowe ended up you know, becoming a big star yeah, in the 90s, yeah. movies like LA Confidential, The Insider, mm. and Noah Taylor was in Almost Famous, and Guy Pearce was also in LA Confidential. Yeah. But like, uh, it took Ben Mendelsohn till I like, think the late two thousands yeah, to really connect, think, you know. Yeah, yeah. And like, he was showing up in these movies. Like, he's in Knowing when mm, Nicolas Cage, yeah. he's in, which is weird. <laughs> yeah. He's in the New World, the Transmac movie, yeah. in a really small role. He was in a movie called Vertical Limit. Okay, I think Bill Paxton. Oh, okay. But apparently, um, there was a time where he didn't work for two years, and he was considering giving up acting. And then Animal Kingdom. From looking at his filmography. When he was like age like fourteen, he started acting, hmm. and he was appearing in these Australian movies like The Year My Voice Broke, Spots Wood, Metal Skin, Mullet, and all of these earned him all very Australian names, all very Australian yeah. movies, movies that didn't really cross over here, yeah, but were yeah. all of them he either won or got nominated at their like Acta Awards, yeah, which is like yeah. their version of the BAFTA. It's very strange that it particularly took him so long to break through. Yeah. And in these movies, he was all, he was like playing kind of like a similar kind of damaged characters as he yeah, does now, but yeah. he was also playing like romantic leads, and yeah, so it's yeah. very interesting. When was the first time you saw Mendelssohn in a movie? Uh, the first time I saw the Mendo was um, Killing Them Softly, which is 2012, I think. Yeah. And um, oh, Mendelssohn plays Russell, who's like an Australian. Might be my favorite character of his. Yeah, it's, he's pretty damn good. He's given so much to chew on. He's like a pe- petty criminal. It's The movie is set in Boston, but he's just he's just an Australian expat. Yeah, because the director is Andrew Dominic, who yeah, he's it, best friends yeah, with. yeah. Who made Chopper and the assassinated Jesse James? And I'm wondering, did they just like workshop this character? Where is it? Yeah. Well, I want to make a movie about an Australian heroin addict. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm gonna just put him into this other Boston, Boston movie yeah, I'm working yeah, on. Yeah. yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah, we leave in the middle of the night for fuck's sake, all the way to Florida, we're in this fucking rainstorm. Dogs are all pissing and farting and shitting. <laughs> It's probably the best character he's played, but it's also the sweatiest, nastiest, filthiest character he's ever played. Yeah. He's a horrible person. He he, is a despicable of, human being. The bits I find a bit sympathetic in that performance. Uh, the fact that know, he, I, I can't, I don't see it. The fact that he kind of realises that he's terrible. You know the bit where he's tripping out? Yeah. And he's talking about, like, we got to get out of here, man. Like, we were lucky to get away with that. Mm. And Skipping there, he's like, well, that worked out great yeah. for us. And he's like, well, I was talking to Barney about it. Yeah, he's like, yeah. you told Barney. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, there's that pivotal scene, or the scene that basically sets the movie in motion, which is the robbery scene. It's amazing how quickly it moves, because Ben Mendelsohn's completely silent in it. 
uh, in that scene mostly, I think. And he's got a huge. He's got a uh, like a stocking over. It's his a really face. bad stocking. As yeah, well. like all yeah, the stuff they have like um, wash dishwashing dish gloves. Dishwashing gloves. Yeah. yeah. There's um, a line in the movie which I took down, which um, I think is amazing, where um, we shoot this, it'll kill everyone in the fucking room. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. It's the ski mask, or not the ski mask, the stockings that get me in that scene because they twist their faces into something like, I don't know what the right word is, subhuman or beyond human or something. And it's like, it just morphs them into something horrific, especially because that scene is so quiet, except for Scoot McNary, who's constantly yelling at people mm. in that scene. There's It's also very scary about it is that they're robbing this... Um card game that's protected by the mob and yeah, Ray yeah. Liotta is the person who's running yeah, it yeah. and Ben Mendelsohn Ben Mendelsohn and Scoot McNary get split up and Scoot McNary has this like son off shotgun and yeah. pointing at all the card players and Ben Mendelsohn has the gun and he's pointing at that <laughs> the, gun, the gun that will probably work yeah the gun that the might the, actually yeah, not yeah. kill everybody yeah. in the room <laughs> and he has the gun at Ray Liotta's and Ray Liotta keeps, is so calm in the scene he's yeah, like yeah. you know they're going to kill you for yeah, this right yeah. you, you don't have to do this mm. like this whole scene is so tense because you see even through the stocking, Ben Mendelsohn, like, considering, like, I might just leave yeah, this situation. Yeah, yeah. And Scumaneri, knowing that they're in the other room for so yeah, long, yeah. is getting really anxious yeah. and is, you like, spinning around yeah. the, the sawed-off shotgun. Yeah. You can see the cogs turning in each character's mind, even mm-hmm. in the just the extras in that scene as well. Yeah, because there's the guy who keeps kind of talking. He yeah, keeps saying something under his breath. reaching for his yeah. jacket or something. Yeah. It's terrifying. Oh, it's ugh, horrifying. But do you know... Ben, think Ben Ellison when he's talking about the dogs. Oh, it's uh, hilarious! It's so good. Yeah, I kind of yeah. like him in that yeah. scene. I like I like how funny he is, but I can't find it in my heart to be in any way sympathetic to his character. <laughs> you know, that's just that's just the kind of person he is in that movie. Yeah, a slight spoiler, but he he's kind of the one who gets away. In his own in his own way, and it's like it's lucky that way. he got out alive in that situation. Yeah, that's a very you know? good that's a very good point. Yeah. He goes to pick up the heroin he's stashed in the bus terminal or something. And he, he falls asleep when he's opening his locker and smacks his head off the locker above. And he's like, oh, and then he gets his heroin. But like the place is full of cops anyway, and they arrest him. And he gets deported, I think. Yeah, yeah, he gets yeah, deported. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What other things about... We, I just want to kind of segue into Killing Them Softly a little yeah, bit. Yeah. It's a movie I adore, and I, I think every bit about it is amazing. Mm. For a movie that is mostly... that all, only two pe- three people die in it. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, won't yeah. say who. Yeah. yeah, it's still incredibly exciting, even in just like when it's squashed into a car between Richard Jenkins and Brad Pitt, and uh, just just the kind of hand wringing politics that the mafia has become. Yeah, it's it's sort of a movie about how the economic crash in two thousand eight yeah. has gone down into the criminal yeah, underworld a little yeah. bit because like Brad Pitt, they're talking about taking out um flying over hitman yeah, through the yeah. trigger hit and he's yeah. like oh do we have the air flyer miles yeah it's all this stuff that you don't yeah, yeah. think of the map he's doing getting caught in this bureaucracy yeah. and at the end of the movie even richard jenkins is trying to stiff brad pitt yeah, for yeah. his money yeah. which is one of the best that his speech he gives at the end of the movie and that sharp cut to credits is incredible yeah i i love it i've never been a i think i like the movie and i like the message it gives i just think it's delivered with a sledgehammer they do it worse in Hustlers. Yeah, that's which is yeah, also a good yeah, movie. Yeah, but I mean, if basically every 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 single one of those movies that has that message, like American Hustle, Hustlers, Killing Them Softly, they're American all like, made. American made. Yeah, they're like, oh, let's just take this sledgehammer of a message and beat the audience over the head with them, over the head with it until they're convinced it's good. I like it in Killing Them Softly because you can tell how angry Brad Pitt is. Yeah. I think once you disguise it as 
frustration. Mm. I think that's always a good way to get exposition out. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. people have a character be like, "I've been doing this for two days," oh, yeah. you know, and you're like, "Oh, now I remember." Yeah, 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 yeah. It's delivered over the speech Obama gives when he wins. Yes, in the 2008 uh, presidential election. And, uh, like, Obama's like, America has come together as a community, and Brad Pitt counterpoints it with, uh, America's not a community. And it's, he's right, because it's, like... It's a it's business. A, yeah, it's I a business. fucking pay yeah, me, yeah. Andrew. But it's, um, like, obviously communities work together. And if the shithead criminal community can't work together, who can? <laughs> and I think that's that's a way better message. A way subtler message, anyway. I remember being so going to see it and thinking yeah it's going to be just like a straight up gangster movie and that intro where Scooby-Nary is like smoking and it's very um, atmospheric and very almost experimental yeah, where it's yeah. like the speech in the background and it's like killing yeah, yeah. softly yeah. it's so good and it just, he just walks out into a parking lot just full of paper just flying in the yeah, wind yeah, yeah it's yeah. like someone blew up a shredder the first time I discovered Mendelssohn was um, which I feel like his, his big break was Animal Kingdom uh, which really crossed over in a big way here, so much so that it managed to get Jackie Weaver and uh, Best Supporting Actress Oscar nomination. Oh, wow. But uh, I have a distinct memory of my parents going to see it in the IFI and coming home and telling me how amazing it was, how I had to see it, how it wasn't about zoos or something. Okay. Yeah, you know, kind of oh, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think a year later, I caught it on film four and thought it was like, one of the best crime movies I've ever mm. seen. So have you seen I'm Looking? I haven't. No. You would love it. It centers on a 17-year-old uh, named Jay, played by James Frenchville, who oh, yeah. you may know Black as... 47. Uh, yeah, Feeny. Yeah. We stand a legend. Yeah, we do, yeah. Great, great yeah. man. It's also in Requiem, that Netflix show that came out last year, which is really good. Oh, okay. Um, who, when his single mother overdoses, moves in with his creepy grandma, played by Jackie oh. Weaver, who keeps kissing him on the lips. Ooh. Uh, not in a sexual way, just like really passionately yeah. being like, I love you, grandson. It's very Ugh. weird. Um, but she's also the matriarch of a Melbourne crime family okay. of which uh, Ben Mendelsohn's Pope is the older brother mm. and just as Jay starts integrating himself into the family the police start putting the screws on them hey what's he done tell me I'll, I'll, I'll make sure he gets disciplined you come with me Josh well what do you want to talk to him about talk to me about it and uh, because Jay is young Pope starts to think that he could become a rat mm. And is very ambivalent towards him. Um, something which might even be a bit of jealousy because he's like the new cub yeah, like, to keep yeah, up with the, yeah. the film's animal metaphor. Yeah. And uh, when we meet Pope, Pope Madison, like he's in hiding. He's skinny. Yeah. He's got bags and wrinkles oh. and crevices on his face. Yeah. He seems a little dozy and a little dopey. There's a great scene where a family friend of his, Pope Joel Edgerton, who's amazing in the movie, mm. he's only in for like, the first 20 minutes, but it's great. Um, he's talking about why he wants to leave the crime game to yeah. do, and he's talking about like maybe getting into stocks or something. And Ben Madison can't even like comprehend it. He's yeah. like, well, why would why, I don't have a computer? Why, why would you do that? <laughs> but that attitude kind of belies his like true psychopathic nature. Yeah. Like he's very manipulative. Like he's capable of putting pressure on people to do things that they might not have done if not for him. And he he's capable of extreme violence in the movie, which mm. like doesn't seem to face him at all. Yeah. And he's able to do that Joe Pesci thing of going from like being totally genial yeah. and ball busting to utterly terrifying yeah. without raising his voice. It's all down to him. Like I, I was reading stuff about um, the director, who's David McYard, and he said that he often relented to Mendelssohn's request for additional takes of his scenes because his respect for the actor's wild, unpredictable contributions was so strong. Mm. And the very first scene featuring Mendelssohn's character took 15 takes, <laughs> which is a Fif- lot. 15. 15. 15. Okay, yeah. Jesus. A lot for a first take. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um, apparently to get into character for Animal Kingdom, Mendelssohn rarely spoke to James Frenchville on set, and would call him John 
okay. rather than James <laughs> to kind of build up that um, ambivalence yeah, between yeah, them. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I think we kind of talked about it with Viola Davis, like the way that she writes um, a notebook about all yeah. the characters so that she has all the stuff to fall back on. Yeah. And I feel like th- these little things do add a, a texture that we might not even realize yeah. is happening yeah. to the what we see on screen. Yeah. And um, also a cool fact about Animal Kingdom is that um, despite the large ensemble cast, because there's a big cast in it, um, when Jackie Weaver and Joel Edgerton got awards at the AFI, mm. which I think the actor, the Oscars, yeah. um, the Australian actors, they kept singling out Ben Mendelsohn's performance <laughs> in their speech, and then Ben Mendelsohn went on to win Best Actor, <laughs> which is cool. And um, speaking about how the movie sort of changes life, Mendelsohn says that uh, there seems to be three phases of my work in cr- life so far. Once upon a time, they thought I was a sweet, wide-eyed boy that was just trying to figure out how to kiss the girl. Mm. Lots of comic relief and adolescent yearnings. Then they thought of me as what in Australia is known as a larrikin, which is a kind of dude, you know? Very typical Australian man with this particular set of characteristics. Now I get thought of as more or less the villain. That's more or less how it's gone. It's been those three phases. And in between all that meta-framing, there's been a lot of different work. But there's no doubt it's the Animal Kingdom effect. Before Animal Kingdom, I wasn't particularly thought of in villainous roles. Okay. Yeah. And it is true that within two years of Animal Kingdom, Mendelssohn's already so in demand. Like, he's booked to play a villain in a Joel Schumacher movie, yeah, yeah. which is Trespass, <laughs> which is kind of a campy delight of a movie, yeah, I'd yeah. argue. Um, he has a small role in The Killer Elite, mm. Jason Statham movie. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and apparently his big idol was Robert De Niro. Oh, Growing cool. up, like, he loved Taxi Driver yeah. and Mendelssohn and once you hear that you really see it yeah yeah yeah. but uh, apparently he doesn't have any scenes of Robert De Niro in the movie and he was very sad um, he has pivotal parts in The Dark Knight Rises yeah which uh, I, I want to talk about slightly crime boss in it isn't he well he plays the person who hires Bane because he wants okay, Bane yeah, yeah. to help him make a move against Wayne Enterprises yeah and he also hires Catwoman to do something for him in exchange for the thing that's going to scrub her past. Yeah. But then he's like, there's another thing that can scrub your past. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, I get you to do all the work <laughs> for me. But there's a scene in the movie where Bane kills him. Yeah. And there's the moment where he realizes what Bane is and how evil and despicable Bane yeah. is and how Bane isn't really motivated by greed the same way he is. Yeah. And it's very scary because you sort of see like a man over his head and yeah. like he kind of whimpers. So it's really good. How exactly is that supposed to help my company absorb Wayne's? Leave us. No, you stay here. I'm in charge. Do you feel in charge? And then um, he also has a you know important role in The Place Beyond the Pines. Oh, yeah, but yeah. But I think it was killing them softly where my love for him just yeah. like grew exponentially i think mm-hmm. that scene where there he does heroin and scoop and Aries, just trips out it's nightmarish scoop is like it's so frustrating because scoop is just trying to get through to him yeah and he yeah, keeps yeah. like phasing out uh, I, to- I totally understand that not that i've ever i've never actually met anyone that does heroin but it's similar to uh, that scene itself is similar to talking to someone who is like on the edge of blacking out when they're drunk or whatever and you're like come on man get up start yeah. walking that kind of thing and the bit where he reveals that he might have spilled some information to someone who he shouldn't yeah, have yeah. it's giving his reaction and he's yeah. just like zoning out you're yeah. like oh my god oh, yeah. <laughs> so I would like I've smacked him around yeah around. yeah um, another movie I want to talk about is Startup okay yeah. have you seen Startup I haven't seen any of the movies you haven't on seen any list, of the movies no. Andrew and you've seen all the movies on my list I guarantee you that's true yeah, yeah. yeah. but I just love Mando like he, he I was talking about him in Venice yeah. with other people because I was very excited yeah. to see the last movie I'm going to talk about. And I was like, yeah, he's my favorite actor. And people were like, who is that? I'm like, Ben Mendelsohn. They're like, who? I'm like, he's in Captain Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, you know? He's in Robin Hood. Yeah. He played the bad guy. Yeah. Um, All 
well, like Captain Marvel, an okay example. Why? Why would you say Robin Hood know. though? I don't know. I choked. <laughs> Do you know who chokes him? Darth Vader. Yeah, that's, that's true. very true. Yeah. Um, yeah, so in Startup, uh, which I actually think is one of the best prison movies ever made. Oh, okay. That's yeah. my letterbox review. Yeah. Uh, that's all I wrote and gave it four and a half out of five. Um, yeah, it's directed by Scottish director Dave McKenzie, who made Hello, High Water, mm. um, Perfect yes, Sense, yes, yes. and Outlaw King, yeah. the Chris Pine movie I just mentioned a bit when we were talking about The King. And uh, it stars Jack O'Connell, who I feel like everyone our generation knows from Skins. Yeah, Ray yeah, Cook. yeah. 71 as well. 71, higher, amazing. Uh, yeah, well, it's British Army in Northern Ireland yeah. movie. Money yeah. Monster, George Clooney. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who sees George Clooney movies? This guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Jack Donald stars as Eric Love, a 19-year-old who is starred up, which is means someone who's gone from juvie to big boy prison. Okay, yeah. And um, essentially an orphan. Um, his single mother was a drug addict who died. He was put in jail for killing someone he claims was a pedophile. Okay. And um, in this new prison environment, he reunites with his father, Neville, played by Mandelson, um, a convict who, who has some soft edges to his personality, but has had to survive in jail by essentially becoming... The prison head honcho, whose name is Dennis, who's played by Peter Ferdinando, mm. so who's a prisoner who's often in Ben Wheatley movies. Um, he becomes his psycho for hire. He acts as a blunt instrument for whatever Dennis wants. And so if somebody needs threatening or beat down or even at one point to be killed because um, he has had his prison time extended for killing somebody in jail, okay, um, he does it for Dennis. And um, in many ways, it's quite a similar role to your crush, Mo Dunford's in <laughs> Michael Inside. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that kind of character. Yeah. However, despite Eric and Neville's like volatile personality, per, yeah, personalities, they manage to reform their uh, paternal bond. And, yeah. But another thing that's pulling strain on that is that Eric is still basically a teenager and he has these tendencies like he doesn't listen to people. He gets his kicks winding up with the prisoners. Um, yeah. He does things which lead to lockdowns which in, impacts on Dennis's business within the jail so if there's a lockdown he can't move product yeah so he starts becoming a thorn in dennis's side so oh he dear. so dennis is like to neville you, you want to sort your kid out or I, I'm sense, gonna... I sense the movie ends badly <laughs> and um so neville's torn between this way of life he's grown accustomed to and the son he never really knew but yeah. suddenly feels a lot of responsibility for i am his fucking parent you think you can fucking fix him up huh what you got a fucking couple of fucking nice little letters after your name well, I got fucking numbers. Do you have a family? You got a family? You got someone you go home to at night? You're sort of left to gather all these things after these long observational scenes of yeah. how horrible prison is. <laughs> There's a scene where Eric accidentally knocks somebody out and the all the prison guards are coming in to like take him away mm. and he's really scared of like what they're going to do to him. So he, and when he's on his knees at some point, gra- clamps his teeth around the penis of one of the prison guards Ugh. and basically like holds him like hostage. So all the guards are like around him and he's like, I'm going to clamp down if you don't move back. Yeah. And they do, <laughs> you know, like it's it's that, is, that kind of really yeah, fucking yeah. gritty movie. Grisly. Ugh. But there's a scene in the movie which is like devastating involving Mendelssohn yeah. where um, in prison, as is explored oh, obviously, yeah. in other movies, straight men tend to get with other straight men yeah, out yeah. of loneliness you know but there's a moment where in the movie where Mendelssohn is threatening his cellmate and the person tries to and eventually like calms him down and then out of nowhere they kiss okay. you're like oh and oh. but that's not the devastating moment there's a scene where Eric really makes an effort to connect with Neville and he goes to his cell but he's not there but the cellmate is and they like stay there and chill for a bit yeah. and then Eric and Neville comes back and the two automatically get like snappy with each other like they're always like thrown kind of yeah. digs at each yeah. other and they're both like pretty volatile people so it explodes real quick 
but the cellmate tries to rub Neville's leg kind of in a um, kind of calming way yeah. to like come out and his son sees it and his son who after like growing up in juvie the most hyper masculine yeah. unaccepting place yeah. sees this and yeah. he's like you, he doesn't say anything but like his face just like crumples and oh, like turns yeah. and I was like so repulsed Yeah. and Mendelssohn has this line which is like devastating where he could have played into it and could have really leaned into it but he like tosses it off and he just goes like it's a fucking prison ain't it <laughs> And yeah, but after that, you know, he plays, uh, he got cast as a lot more villains because he's yeah. a villain in um, Black Sea. Oh, the, the Jude Law movie. movie. It was quite good. Uh, I saw that in yeah, cinema. Yeah. I have and it on DVD. Scoop and Aries in that, so it's a little reunion. Oh, okay. Um, that's actually quite a good movie. And he's in Slow West in a small role, you know, the yeah, Michael, the Fassbender Michael Fassbender Western. One, yeah. yeah, so you mentioned that you watched a lot of movies where Mendelssohn played the villains. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, let's I think all the that. movies I watched, he plays the villain. Some, well, to some degree. And they're yeah. all good. Like, I have yeah, to say, yeah, like, yeah. I. Tend to prefer Mendelssohn when there's a little shades of grey to yeah, his character. Yeah, yeah. I think he's somebody who's capable of playing very scummy people with varying degrees of scumminess. Yeah, yeah. With varying degrees of like human depth. Yeah. And stuff. And I think it's a mode that he plays a sandbox he plays in really well. Yeah. Um so yeah, talk about some yeah. movies. Well, we mentioned Rogue One already, and I think that's like Yeah. Like you can't get more evil than Space Nazi. Totally. Yeah. Unless well, Ready Player awesome One, awesome cloak, on similar, fo- amazing cloak. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he wears that cloak in Robin Hood, and that's not a joke. He wears <laughs> the same clothes. That movie's weirdly anachronistic. Okay, he plays um, Orson Krennic, Krennic, who's like the director of advanced weapons research. Uh, basically, he's basically the mastermind of the dar- of the Death Star. Essentially, the whole time I was thinking about it and writing my notes on it, I was like, "What if Steve Wozniak of Apple fame was a space Nazi?" Okay. Yeah. Into yeah. That. So like Galen Erso who's played by Mads Mikkelsen and is the like the ideas guy behind the Death Star. But he's like nice. But he's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As we all know Steve Jobs was. Ooh. Yeah. Um uh, Mendelssohn is like the guy that puts it everything all together, you know, he gets the he gets he brings in the builders, he brings in the troops, he finds the space in space to build it and uh, he's the guy that basically gets it done. And it's like what if Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs worked together, but then, but Steve Jobs was secretly working against Steve Wozniak. Would you describe it as like a scene chewing performance? I'm not sure I would totally, but there are these moments of just like it delight. Has, in yeah, yeah. Like, Deploy the garrison. Yeah, yeah the, that the, bit. Even the bit at the beginning where he is, he kills Mads Mikkelsen's wife, mm. and Jinnersa, who's like the, the hero of Rogue yeah, One, yeah. is Mads Mikkelsen's daughter, but. There's the part of the movie where I think he's asking like Mads Mikkelsen like where's where's your wife mm. and he's like she's gone away mm. and you see the look that like Mendelssohn clocks that she's yeah, not gone away like, yeah he's and like, it's no way and he's really like like swimming in yeah, it yeah he's know? like no way man. she's alive yeah where is she come on yeah, man yeah. he doesn't he does yeah, not he do just that. <laughs> doesn't say that thank God uh, yeah um, also this uh, I I think the most amazing scene in because I kind of think Rogue One's sort of a bad movie when Mendelssohn or Darth Vader aren't on screen but yeah. I think they're so good on screen that I don't and I think Felicity Jones is good in the movie yeah. but I, I, I really think because right, Rogue One's a prequel to Star Wars I'm going to prepare this with a yeah. spoiler but all the characters in Rogue One died yeah. and I feel like the movie has no interest in exploring those characters because it knows it's going to die you yeah, know like yeah, they're, yeah. they're not very well fleshed out and like they have like moments that are sort of interesting like Diego Luna kills somebody basically yeah, in yeah, cold blood yeah. to escape yeah 
and you're like whoa that's yeah. cool and then that never comes yeah. back into the movie again and, and you stuff. have like Donnie Yen as like a warrior monk that's great yeah, I love all really that good, stuff really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Um, it's just the movie I think is a little hymnist but that like last act of Rogue One is amazing oh, where like, Darth so Vader good, yeah. just shows up and yeah, like yeah. it's the closest like, Star Wars yeah. People, yeah. it's the closest Star Wars will ever get to a horror movie that's it. Think, That's yeah, exactly yeah. it. And it's it's a pretty good like war movie in a sort of Michael Collinsy kind of guerrilla yeah, war movie, yeah, you know, exactly. like all that yeah. stuff where they're going, they're sneaking around. Yeah, they they don't really have as good weapons as yeah, the, the yeah, bad guys, but yeah. they have like the element of surprise, all mm. that stuff, and they also don't have the numbers that the yeah, bad guys yeah. have. Um, is really good. Also, but the scene I want to talk about is when Ben Mendelsohn um has like his long conversation with Darth Vader. Mm, Do you caught it? I think that when he gets choked out, because I think Ben Mendelsohn sort of like rises above his podium in Darth Mm. Vader's eyes and Darth Vader kind of forks, force chokes him. And he, Darth Vader says like, don't choke on your aspirations. I really like. So I'm still in command. You'll speak to the emperor about Be careful not to choke on your aspirations, director. He kind of like smirks a little bit. Yeah. I think the implication is that like it's like a rite of passage to get yeah, choked yeah. out by Darth yeah. Vader if you're yeah, a mortal, someone yeah. who hangs around him like, oh, I'm getting cho- choked yeah. with Darth Vader. I'm really making it yeah. in this world, you know? I think um, Darth Vader is playing on Ben, that character's fears because you can tell he's already a little bit choked up because like obviously Darth Vader comes down the ramp and uh, Krennic is like, Lord, Lord Vader, uh, hello. And what you can tell is his throat is really constricted when he says it. Like his, like his accent is totally different from anything else he says in the movie. All those lines, he says each line in that scene differently. So he's like, so Darth Vader walks away after choking him, and uh, Krennic goes, "So I'm still in command." <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, Ready Player One. Oh Ready yeah, the from. the other one. Yeah. The other one <laughs> that Mendelssohn was in. Yeah, he plays um, Nolan Sorrento, who's like the CEO of IOI Industries, uh, like basically the company that's built the game or whatever. Yes. That's uh, the Oasis. Yes. Is this is a the... movie that's set in the future yeah. where basically society has devolved to we just all live in a virtual world. That's yeah. basically the eighties. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. It's like every nerd's fantasy. Like, what if? Uh, society cared about everything yeah, that I yeah. care about all these specific things that yeah. pretty much everybody likes like yeah. Back to the Future yeah. or like occasionally there's some niche things like there's that Peter Bookaroo Banzai yeah, and stuff yeah, like that fucking but like, Gundam or well yeah, that's not really yeah. niche but yeah yeah. yeah, all that stupid shit. Chucky. Yeah, Chucky. Oh, it's yeah. that bit's really good though. Yeah, player yeah. one. Yeah, it's fucking Chucky. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he basically knows Sorrento, which is an element of the movie I really like. Is that he has these people who he um. He is known Sorrento isn't the creator of the Oasis. It's no, Mark Rylance. He, he, yeah, Mike Rylance created it. And known Sorrento wants to own it. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. And he has this other company that's trying to uh, muscle in on Rylance's company. Mark yeah. Rylance is dead by the time the movie starts, and it's been. I think, I don't know. I don't. I don't know who owns it, but um, I think what it is is that. You have to pass a series of challenges in order to... That's the thing. And what I love about it is that Men- Mendelssohn has basically has these slaves yeah, who work for yeah. him who yeah. he's getting to do all these challenges yeah, yeah. and he doesn't do anything. Yeah. It's very Dickensian. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, um, you have to work. You, you're in debt. So yeah. now you are a slave to me yeah, yeah. and you work in this virtual world as yeah. a slave. You know. There were a couple of quotes I thought of. Uh, one is more general than the other. Like when for... Just in regard to like the slaves, there was a, li- a headline at The Onion about Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, 
It was like Jeff Bezos' table's latest breakthrough cost-cutting idea after realising it's just slaves. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one is a bit more specific to the character because I think uh, Ben Mendelsohn's character in Nolan Sorrento is he's kind of like the logical endpoint for like a capitalist CEO in the future where it's he's just like making he's making money off slaves basically like we've mm. come full circle back to back to slaves. He also doesn't seem to like the entertainment that he's making. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly, I, I yeah. get it. He has a real contempt for the Oasis. Yeah, I get yeah. the vibe. He's, he's a hater, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he's basically, he's basically a parasite, suck, uh, profiting off people's joy and just consuming, the, and profiting off the success of others, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's played as someone almost totally lacking in sympathy, but quite good at affecting it. And uh, yes. this is where the quote comes in. It's like it's the quote from uh, American Psycho, where the open, not the opening scene, but the bit in his apartment near the start of the movie, where. Patrick Bateman, uh, played by Christian Bale, is like, I have all the characteristics of a human being, but not a single clear identifiable emotion except for greed and disgust. Mm. And I think that basically wraps it all up in a neat little package. Yeah, it's a very weird performance for him to take because it's not... Yeah. It's He's playing like high class. Yeah, and so, yeah. And he sort of... Because Ben Manson has a slight lisp. I don't know if you noticed, mm, I think, mm, in his yeah. voice. And he sort of leans into that with Ready Player One. And he's sort of playing like a bit of a goomer. Yeah, yeah. Like, he doesn't have like fake teeth as well. Like he has these big dentures, which I think is very interesting. But I think he's still very good on that. It's not our job to make him happy. It's our job to make him money. But once we launch this little baby, they're going to flip. We call this... Pure O2. I like Ready Player One, I think. I think it's a lot of fun. His character would work a lot better in a better movie, first of all, but also a more human film, because I don't really believe that any of the people in Ready Player One are real people. My problem with that movie is that um, there's two things, twofold. I think if you saw these, the movie would be fantastic. It would be one of my favourite movies. The first thing is that main character is such a dud. Mm, All he is is that basically uh, Ty Sheridan plays Wade Watts yeah nostalgia who, flows through his veins yeah but the, all he does is that he knows a lot about yeah. this specific person who yeah. died that's yeah, his yeah. whole gifts he doesn't really seem to have like think about it yeah doesn't seem to have thoughts about it whereas you have all these people circling him like Olivia Cook, who's so interesting or you have um, Lena Waite's character who's so fascinating yeah. you have all these people these two, those two Asian yeah, guys Asian kids those yeah. Asian kids they're great too yeah. but you're like why are you keep going back to this really boring person yeah, yeah. and then the second thing is that movie should be a nightmare yeah. <laughs> that it's like this is what you wanted nerds yeah, yeah. you know it should be like that thing where be careful what you wish for yeah, where yeah. what if your whole world was just dedicated to the stuff that you enjoyed yeah. in the past but we never progressed. Yeah, yeah. That's all we did. Yeah. And we just kind of gave up as a society. Yeah. But the movie is sort of treating it like, oh, but it's fun though. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, no, I want I want Paul Verhoeven or like even I'll take a Matthew Vaughn yeah. or an Edgar Wright to yeah. just take a crack at this and sort of dig into that, yeah. like how scary yeah. it is. And like, it can still have the happy end, but it, it could be kind of like Starship Troopers or mm, Robocop yeah, where yeah. you're like, this is kind of terrible. I'm doing my part. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, that's my problem with the movie, but I, I do think the special effects are amazing. I think, oh, I think so Spielberg yeah, did yeah. an incredible job. Um, I don't want to talk about a movie that Mendelssohn did because occasionally, a bit like the not the official pilot that we did, but when we did, which you can listen to on SoundCloud, uh, our episode on Michael yeah, Shannon yeah, yeah, yeah. under the different moniker "No Country for Character Actors." Yeah, yeah. I think if people are fans of the show and they want to listen to go back to listen to that, it's a yeah. very interesting exercise and like. What a podcast sounds like when you make it yourself, and what in a podcast your, sounds room. like yeah. when you have yeah. good equipment yeah. <laughs> and a network to support you yeah. and give you advice. Yeah. Um, but we talked about Michael Shannon saying that he will play villains in mainstream roles, but then is given the opportunity to flex and muscle yeah, a bit and yeah. uh, play against type. 
in these um, smaller independent movies. Yeah. I think this movie is a perfect example of that. Yeah. Mississippi Grind. This is Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. And this one is their love letter to 70s movies, particularly The Gambler, the James Tobac movie, yeah. or Robert Altman's California Split. And so Mendelssohn plays Jerry, who's this compulsive gambler in debt to some scary people. Mm-hmm. Uh, he meets Curtis, who's Ryan Reynolds, uh, a sort of eccentric, rich person with a similar gambling addiction to better, but better luck. Yeah. He says um, that that's something that comes from not caring about winning. Mm. That's why he's so lucky. Yeah. And he also, he seems to be a guy who doesn't really care about the actual gambling himself. itself. He likes to, not the game, he likes to bet on people. Oh, okay. And he sort of takes Jerry under his wing like he feels bad for him. And the two team up to take a trip down the Mississippi River where they would gamble in all these like major cities and ultimately ultimately play at a poker game in New Orleans where the buy-in is uh, 25,000 grand. Wow. Can you put me down for five tonight in Hawaii over Gonzaga? I have it. I have the money. I literally have the money right here in my hand. I'm looking at it. Oh. Hey, JP? JP? It's a great movie, mm. but I think it's a movie that even though Moden and Flex create this very tangible world and yeah. like it's very sensibly directed um, it wouldn't work as well if it wasn't for the two performances at its center because yeah. um, these are these are like really deeply troubled people yeah. like they're addicts who waste away their days in these like run down dimly lit community centers in order to gamble away their money mm-hmm. because that's what they need to do to get a fix like Jerry has no interest in his job as a real estate agent he steals money from the petty cash to like fund <laughs> his habit and even right after he, he disappointed the movie, he gets stabbed. Eesh. And all he can think about is, like, how, how am I going to fund my next bet? Yeah, you yeah. Know? But there's still people you enjoy being around mm. and can root for. And it's really a hangout movie. How successful it is depends on how entertaining you find being around Sad Sack Ryan yeah, Reynolds yeah. and Sad Sack <laughs> Ben Mendelsohn. And uh, I find them utterly charming. Like, they have this, like, really good chemistry. Um, they're all like, funny together. <laughs> Jerry calls... Curtis, his lucky leprechaun, because he <laughs> appeared under a rainbow. Okay, which is really they have this bonding scene over a rainbow, yeah. and it's just beautiful. And um, Mendelssohn gives this really like nuanced performance as a vulnerable man trying to hold onto a hope that everything will get better in his life. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and also it's very funny with Mississippi Grind. Got Anna Fleck and Ryan Bowden. We're like, I'm gonna take Mendelssohn, yeah. put him in Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, I think, is the one mainstream movie with. Mendelssohn that sort of subverts mm, yeah. his sinister edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's set up to be the villain. Yeah. Like, well, he's actually be... a refugee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And Jude Law, the guy we were like, that yeah, guy's yeah. cool. No. no bad no, man. No. Very yeah. bad. Don't do it. Um, any other movies you'd like to talk about? Well, I watched a movie no one's no one has seen, except maybe you, um, for this called Lost River. I've seen Lost River. I went yeah. to the premiere of Lost River. Oh, yeah. look and at you. Ryan Gosling and Matt Smith appeared via satellites oh, did an deadly. interview yeah <laughs> yeah uh, it's written and directed by Ryan Gosling and he hasn't directed a movie since or written one uh, mostly because Lost River was a bit of a flop Ben Mendelsohn plays um, Dave who is like an evil bank manager <laughs> slash pimp slash yeah, like yeah. travelling nightclub owner he's like this bizarre ringmaster of a circus of all these different things he's it's a strange strange role and I don't think it's his like meatiest role or even his best role. It's like a set on like a decaying small town America just outside of Detroit, I think. Yeah. And it's a beautiful, beautiful film, like really well well done visually. There's a scene where Christina Hendricks is in this um like glass tube. Yeah, yeah. And Mendelssohn shows That's, up in a suit yeah, and starts yeah, like yeah. grinding and dancing yeah, yeah. around her. It's Amazing. Pretty, yeah, it's, it's really good. The, it's very Lynchian, like it's yeah, very like yeah. Dennis Hopper and Blue yeah. Velvet. Those two the two scenes with Mendelssohn I remember best are the dancing scene, which is like a, a way beyond messed up version of what happens in Ex Machina with Oscar Isaac. 
Yes, that's actually like, yeah, a good yeah, read. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. <laughs> you tore up her paintings. Yeah, and I watched me tear up this but, fucking dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> and the scene where Ben Mendelsohn sings uh, Clear Water, which is like an old timey cowboy song. Keep on moving, Dan. Don't you listen to him, Dan? He's a devil, not a man. His spreads the burning sand where the water. Each day I. <laughs> His throat's burned dry for water. <laughs> um, I want to talk about one more Mendelssohn movie in depth, Baby Teeth. So this movie, um, it's the debut from director Shannon Murphy, and it was in the main competition in Venice, which is quite prestigious. So yeah. the minute I saw that there was this, because there were only two women who had movies in competition, so then I saw Dreadful. a woman in competition, mm. and especially a debut filmmaker, I was like, man, I've got to check out this movie. And... Then when I saw the cast, I was looking through. It was like Ben Mendelsohn, Essie Davis from The Babadook. Oh, shit. Um, Eliza Scanlon, who is the Amy Adams' sister in Sharp Objects. Oh, And she's yeah, going to be in Little Women, yeah. the Greta Gerwig movie. Yeah. And um, it, even though I was excited for it, it sort of came out of nowhere to become one of my favorites of the festival. Yeah. Like, it really did blow me away. Yeah. Uh, so Eliza Scanlon stars as Miller, who's this 16-year-old terminally ill girl who falls for a 23-year-old homeless drug dealer and addict, yeah. uh, Moses, who's played by Toby Wallace, who went... I thought Eliza Scanlon was going to win this award, but actually he ended up winning Venice's award for Best Young Actor. Okay. Um, her depressed parents, who are a psychiatrist's father, who's Mendelssohn, and former musical prodigy mother, who's mm. S.E. Davis, are first against the union, yet seeing how happy Moses makes Miller, they decide to put up with the pairing and invite her boyfriend to live in their home. Okay. So yeah. it becomes this strange fa- familial comedy drama. Yeah. It's not reasonable. This is her first love. Moses! I don't like you, but Miller should have the world at her feet right now. Everyone in my screening was in floods of tears. Like the movie <laughs> ended, and everyone was just like wiping away, like just water yeah, from their yeah. eyes. And but it's never like aggressively sentimental. Like it's a cancer drama, which never has any scenes of like doctor's appointments or yeah, hospital yeah. wards. You never really learn exactly what type of cancer she is. Yeah. It's more in stays in like these domestic spaces and as a sort of a forehander showcasing like how that diagnosis yeah. puts strain on her and everyone around her and yeah. like. You know, the Australian me, Earl and the Dying Girl. Pretty much. And even Ben Mendelsohn was talking about why he picked the movie because it was his first Australian movie in nine years. Yeah. And he said it's beautifully Australian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which I love. Um, but he's incredible in the movie because he's playing a psychiatrist and he seems to be the one who is sort of dealing with the situation yeah. the best. Yeah. But throughout the movie, there are these little glimpses of realize, oh, he's not like handling yeah, it. Yeah. So the first thing is that there's this pregnant woman who lives next door to them. And he starts like forming like a relationship with her, and at one point he kisses her. Okay. But then immediately he feels so guilty that he yeah. like just runs away. <laughs> uh, there's also an amazingly Australian scene that's so funny, where does it she... involve Fosters? No, it does not involve <laughs> Fosters. It's so strange, but basically she is pre- she's like really heavily pregnant, yeah. and you kind of get the vibe that he's into her because she's like life, you yeah, know? yeah, and he's yeah, being surrounded yeah, by yeah, death, yeah. you know, or the specter of death. Yeah. But there's he he. Get, she doesn't want to go up on this stool to like turn on a light so yeah. he offers to do it when he does it he gets like electrocuted <laughs> and so not like flies across the room the most realistic depiction of yeah. that like I've seen like where you're like oh sh- this, that looks bad <laughs> yeah and he he's trying to act cool about it and yeah. she's like you okay you okay and he's like I'm fine yeah. fine Relax, and she's like love, I'm fine. your hair is like spiked yeah, yeah, up yeah. like are you okay yeah. and she's like one sec I've got the perfect thing and you think she's gonna go and get like medicine or yeah. tea but she comes back with hair gel that's so like flattening <laughs> his hair <down. laughs> it's so funny yeah so it's like to ease her burden he almost has an affair with this person 
but uh, he feels so guilty about it that he ends up writing himself a prescription for morphine and just starts injecting himself with it. Jesus the, Christ. Yeah, it's really like... You talk about not handling it well. Christ yeah. Almighty. And um, I'll tell you, the second last scene of Baby Teeth will make you cry. Okay, yeah. The last scene will make you bawl. <laughs> and it's all on medicine. Yeah, yeah. So that's all I'm going to say. But like, be on the lookout for that because it hasn't come out yet. I don't even think it has a release date mm. here, but like, watch out for it because it's, yeah. it's going to be like amazing, yeah. you know. There's also an episode of Girls. Oh, okay. He plays Jemima Kirk's dad, Bloodline. Yeah. So Ben Mendelsohn plays this character, Danny Rayburn, and that, who um, he's the lost, the kind of black sheep in a family of in this area of um, some like coastal town in America, who and they sort of run it. Yeah. But he's sort of the person who got involved in drugs and crime, and he returns after like a period of absence. And at the beginning of the TV show, you think that he's the bad guy, and yeah. all the the family are good. But you sort of throughout the show, you realize that oh, actually it's the other way around. Yeah. And it builds up to this like climax, which is really, really tense and really scary. I think he's so good in the show that they didn't give him the Emmy the first season. Yeah. So just the fact that he was in second season, they were like, okay, we've got to honor this performance because it's so good. And because I, I was thinking, because we were talking about in the Mike Shan episode, character actors often work in TV. Yeah. And I was yeah. thinking of Madison. I was like, oh, he hasn't been in a lot of TV shows, but he's going to be, which I think is his next big role mm. in the Stephen King HBO adaptation of The Outsider. Oh, yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's one of my favorite actors. I think he's great. I think he's very versatile. Yeah. Even if I and I think I do think that he is better when he is playing villains who, not villains even, but like yeah. people who are like three dimensional characters. Yeah. But he yeah, can be yeah, great yeah. playing villains. He's great playing ordinary people. Yeah. He's great playing. I love his villains. If I want someone to have a takeaway from this podcast, yeah. if I if I want people to have that, it's to go watch Kill Them yeah, Softly because yeah. it's in, in a, a masterpiece. Yeah. A straight up masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, so on that note, we're just gonna say see you later, cinephiles. Bye bye, guys. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.